Turn with me your Bibles to 2 Kings, if you would please, chapter number 7. 2 Kings chapter number 7. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. So this man was doubting what Elisha was saying, and he says, only if there was a window of heaven, and Elisha says, you're going to see it, but you're not going to benefit, or you're not going to eat of it thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they came into one tent and did eat and drink and carry thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it, came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well this day is a day of good tidings. We hold our peace if we tarry till the morning light. Some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told him, saying, We come to the camp of the Syrians. And behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they, shall, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in this city. Behold, they are all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, there are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed, and let us send and see. They took, therefore, two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan. And lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians, so a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord, on whose hand he leaned, to have the charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died, as a man of God hath said, and spake when the king came down to him. This passage of Scripture, there's four men. They're hungry, they're lepers. 
lepers. These men weren't allowed to be with the rest of the, the city. They had to stay outside the city. And, and so these men come to the place where they realize this. If we stay where we're at, we're going to die. We're at that time, the Syrians are there battling against Israel. And if we go into Israel, there's nothing there. We're, we're going to die. And so one of the men had this idea. They said, why don't we go to the Syrians and, and, and maybe the Syrians will help us. Maybe the Syrians will give us what we need. But what do we have to lose? If we stay, we die. If we go into the city, we die. And we don't know what's going to happen in Syria. And so if we go into the Syrian camp, we might have a chance of living. The Bible tells us they go into this camp and as they're going into this camp, they notice something's wrong. There's nobody there. And it was like they just left everything and just left in a hurry, but they left everything the way it was. And they go and they go from tent to tent and they eat and they drink and they take all the riches that they find and they hide it and they go into another, another tent and they do the same thing. And, and the Bible says, one of them, one of them says, you know, we, let's, let's go tell the king what's going on here. And, and then they go and they tell the king and the king doesn't believe him at first. But then the king only has a small amount of, of resources left and he sends a small amount of resources to go and find out what's happening there in the camp. They get to the camp and the same thing, valuables everywhere. We find then that in the beginning of this chapter, there was a man that doubted what God could do. And Elisha said to that man, you, uh, you're going to see it, but you're not going to benefit from it. You're going to see it, but you're not going to eat of it. What we finally read in the chapter here in verse number 17, what Elisha said came true. The man that doubted, the man that didn't believe it, he was there at the king's gate, and he got trampled on, so he heard all about what was happening, but he got trampled on, and he never got to experience it. He never got to enjoy it. You know, these men, they were forced to live in exile with this unimaginable disease. This idea they had, let's go, why, why sit here until we die? They knew this, if we go... We, if we sit here, we're going to die. We might die by the sword. We might die uh, 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 by, by going in, in against Syria. But, but we have a chance, at least, if we go, why sit here till we die? That thought, that idea, I've been thinking and praying upon it just over the last probably several weeks. I've been just studying this portion of Scripture and just trying to understand what the, what the people were going through person comes to the place where they recognize this, the status quo, what we're doing, eventually it's not going to work. We're going to die. Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world today. USA Today says this, there is a 74% increase in U.S. mosques in the last decade. In 2001, there was 1,209. Ten years later, they were up to 2,106. Today, there's even more. While 
there's a 74% increase in U.S. mosques, they say this, churches are dying in closing its doors by the thousands. Research was done of 250,000 people in America. They are 250,000 churches in America. 200 are either stagnant with no growth or declining. Missionaries are coming off the field or not even finishing deputation at an alarming rate. They say this, more missionaries are coming off the field than we have to replace them on the field. I told you this last month during our missions emphasis month, and I'll repeat it again this evening, America is not the, the, the number one sending country, missionary uh, sending country in the world any longer. In China, they're seeing more souls saved in a persecuted nation than we are in a free nation. 6.5 churches a day being started in China. 3,500 churches in America closing its doors each year. The percentage still remains at an alarming rate. About 80% of children raised in church will walk away at some point after graduation. My heart has been stirred by just this thought. Why would someone sit there until we die? If we know, if we know our country is going in the wrong direction, if we see the decline in churches, if we see the increase in religions, false religions, why would we sit here until we die? Think about that question. I think that only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This, this evening, why would that matter? Those facts that we gave, the thought of churches dying, the thought of Islam on the rise, the thought of false religions on the rise, why would that matter to us? Does that motivate us? Does that cause us to take a look inward and see what needs to be changed in our life? Every second of every day, people are dying in this world. If they die without Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us they die and they go to a place that God created for the devil and his angels. It's a place called hell. Many, many that deny Calvinism or election in words, they seem to support it by their actions. I don't believe that God elects some to be saved and some not to be saved. I don't believe that God says you, you are going to be and you can't be. I don't believe that, and I hope no one in this church would believe such a thing. I believe that God has given us 
command to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. I believe that we ought to take that command seriously. But sometimes if we're not careful, if we evaluate our lives, if we evaluate what we do, we, we don't take that command very serious. We still believe in confrontational soul winning, I hope and I believe we do. I still believe that we ought to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and confront someone with that, answer, with that question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you trusted Him? You know, there's many Christians that we need to get motivated once again. We need to motivate ourselves in this thought, maybe why sit here till we die ought to be something that all of us ought to think about and consider. In this portion of Scripture, I find that these men come to a place. In verse number 4, they say this, If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and if we shall die there, and if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. You know, that thought right there was a bold thought. Somebody was sitting around, and, and, and uh, for a period of time, they were all just sitting there doing, doing nothing, just dying. I've got this disease, there's nothing I can do about this disease, and, and we're just going to die. But somebody got hungry enough, somebody got bold enough, and we see in verse number four a, a, a boldness to change the status quo. He said this, we're sitting here and we're dying. We're hungry. And they're, they're dying in the city. The Syrians had, had uh, 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 besieged them and, 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 and all around them, and so nothing was coming in, and they, they couldn't get any, any food, and they were dying. There was a famine there in the city as well, and, and they said, we, we can't even go into the city. Why are we just going to sit here until we die? Why are we going to look at all the things and all the reasons? Why are we going to dream about being uh, full? Why are we going to dream about what could be? Why, why are we just not going to make this happen? Have you, ever, have you ever looked at all the reasons why we can't do something? You know, I believe this. There are many Christians, they've already convinced themselves that we can't reach the world for Christ. We've, already, we've got Christians that's already convinced themselves that they can't live a victorious Christian life. We've got Christians that convince themselves that they can't be faithful the way they're supposed to be faithful. They've got Christians that have convinced themselves they can't give the way that God has told them to give. We've got Christians that have convinced themselves that status quo is the way that it's going to be, and we'll just stay here. But somebody here, somebody had a boldness to change. Somebody had an idea. Someone said this, if we stay, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die. Why don't we do something at least to give us a chance? I'd rather die by the sword than just sit here and, and die a slow death. I'd rather die by the, the Syrians killing us and, 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 and uh, killing us with a sword than to sit here with these hunger pains and just sit around and complain about what we don't have. You know what I see? There's someone that had a boldness to change. I believe this. We are going to have to, in the world that we're living in, we're going to have to get more creative if we're going to reach more people. 
We're going to have to think out of the box. We might have to do some things a little bit different. We're going to have to go to places that we've not gone before. We might have to do things we've never done before. We might have to be bold in approach of giving the gospel out if we're going to see people saved. I want you to see, secondly, this as well. In verse number 6, the Bible says, For the Lord hath made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life as there were some sitting around talking about uh, uh, being hungry, talking about what we're going to do. Somebody says, you know what, let's be bold. Let's do something out of the box. Let's be creative. Let's, let's do something about the situation we're in. Let's not sit around and complain about the situation. Let's do something about it. And somebody had that idea, and so the men said, you know, that's a pretty idea, it's a good idea, let's go do this. What they didn't understand is God was already preparing the provisions for them. What they didn't understand was this, that God was already working. What they didn't understand was the Syrians, they had already thought that they heard the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians coming. What they didn't understand is the tents were empty, the food was there, the resources were there, the gold was there, the silver was there, the garments were there. Everything they needed, God was already doing something to provide. And it took someone being bold enough to go to that place. You see, the boldness to change, it allowed them to see what God and only God can do. You know what I think? If we're not careful, we could live in a time and and we play it safe all the time. We make our list. We make our list, the negatives and the positives. We make our list. We, 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 We want to play it safe. Even though playing it safe means that we're not reaching the world for Christ, even though playing it safe means the church doesn't grow, even though playing it safe means that people aren't getting the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though playing it safe is not the thing that needs to be done because they're going to sit there and die, but somebody somebody had enough boldness, and somebody through that boldness allowed uh, others to see that God is going to provide. You know what this took? A large step of faith. You know, if we're not careful, church, we can get to a place where we can have church and we can have our Christian homes and we can we can have what we have and just play it safe. We don't need faith any longer. We need to be reminded this evening that God still blesses faith. God still desires for his children to walk by faith, to step out by faith, to do things by faith. I believe this, we ought to do bold things for the cause of Christ and see God work. I spent some time talking to a pastor this past week. This pastor is probably closer to, probably right about 60. He'd been pastoring you know, pretty much his entire life since he got out of Bible college. Just seeking some counsel from him, asking some things. And I said to him this, I said, when's the last church, you know, fundamental church, when's the last one you heard about 
that was three, four generations, you know, where not just new Christians, but Christians that have been saved for a long period of time that are now raising their children or their grandchildren in that church. I said, when is the last time you heard of one growing? And this pastor has, knows a lot of people across the country and, and uh, very influential. And he said, the sad thing is, not many, if any. I said, when's the last one that had, you know, we've, they've been saved and now they're raising their children and their grandchildren. They, they're in deep generational in that church, Christianity. When's the last one that, that's building a bigger auditorium? He says, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can name one. I had a preacher friend come through here this past January. Some of you might remember him by the name of Josh Tice. Twelve years ago, he started a church. I remember him in Las Vegas. Started a church 12 years ago just from scratch. In the south side of, of Las Vegas, and in this past week, this just last Sunday, they built a brand new auditorium. They were in a little storefront type building, a, a warehouse type building, and, and uh, uh, last year they went to their fourth service on a Sunday morning, just because it just couldn't fit them in. This last week they had their first service and they put out an auditorium, probably the size or so. They had about 600 or so chairs and they, he was so excited. He says, uh, we're going from four services down to two services and I'm excited about that. He says, I'm preaching myself to death every Sunday. So they had their first service and 600 chairs in their auditorium, they were all filled. They had their second service and 600 chairs in their auditorium was all filled. He was running about 800, 900 people up until last week. And last week they had 1,200 people. And it's exciting because there's a lot of first-generation Christians. And they're excited about the Word of God. They're excited about what the Word of God is doing in their life and in, in changing. And, you know, there is, there is a, uh, they've not got to the place of second-generation Christianity. Most of the ones in this church, they're newly saved and they're figuring it out and they're trying to raise their families and trying to figure it out as they go. And having the time of their life. I was interviewing... I was interviewing a um, fellow for our music position, and while I was in that area, I went and I went to a Christian school there in that area, and I preached in that, that Christian school this past week while I was there. I told you this morning, that was the most dead school that I'd... I was discouraged. You know, we need... A boldness about us. To think outside the box. A boldness about us to change what needs to be changed. A boldness about us to not sit until we die, but allow us to go to a place where God has already given provisions. He's already got the blessings. I don't want to go to heaven one day and say, God, God, hear God say, I had this in store. I had this in store for you. I had this in store for your family. I had this in store for Monclova Road Baptist Church. You just lack faith. I had these provisions and, and all of these things that, that, that we had waiting for you, but you lacked faith. 
You know, people, people are still being saved here in this country. And it's proven every, every single weekend that we've gone out, the last three months that we've gone out in our community, every single weekend people have been saved. The reports that people are coming back, uh, they led people to the Lord. It was exciting. Every time we've gone out, somebody, and matter of fact, more than just a somebody, several somebodies have gotten saved. We helped this family, and, 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 and uh, one of our church members are keeping in touch with her. And in and, 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 and her life, the Lord is really working in her life. And God has blessings ready. God has blessings set. I believe that God is working and we need to have a boldness about us so that would allow us to see what God can do. We need to believe that God can still do great things. Do we still believe that God can save that old drunkard and God can restore that, that home? Do we still believe that God can restore a broken marriage? Do we still believe that God could cause that wayward child to come back home? Do we still believe that people in this community still can get saved we still believe that God can still raise up a church where where his son gets glory do you still believe that God could take the drug addict and get him clean do we still believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood and that is sufficient enough to save a soul do we still believe that do we still believe that God uses his local church in the world today so that, 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 that mankind can come to know Christ? Do we still believe it? Do we still believe that God can restore a, a broken home? Do we still believe that God can take messed up finances and give us wisdom and fix it? Do we still believe that God is calling young men and young women to the mission field? Do we still believe that Monclova Christian Academy is still a necessary tool to train up young people to go into the harvest field and, and reap the harvest? Do we still believe that, church? We still believe that we ought to step out by faith and see God do what God can do. See, these men, they were bold. They were going to think differently. They said, we're going to sit here and die. Why sit here until we die? Let's go to the land of the Syrians. And they get to the place or the camp of the Syrians. They get to that place. You know what they found when they got there? God had a table already set for him. Look at me in verse number eight. The Bible says, and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. They came to the place, they were hungry, and you know what God gave them? Food. It was already prepared. I mean, the table was already set. Their favorite meal was on the table waiting for them. It was hot. They were thirsty, and you know what they found? Drink. Their clothes were probably tattered and falling apart. You know what they found? Clothing. They had nothing. They couldn't work. They were lepers. Nobody wanted around. They couldn't buy what was needed. You know what they found? They found gold and they found silver. 
You know, making that bold change, making that bold move, it allowed them to see what God can do. God can cause the Syrian army to leave. God can cause the Syrian army to to leave all the resources there. And it also allowed them nourishment from God's provisions. You know what they found? By being bold, by stepping out, by, by, by going to this place, by saying, I'm not going to sit here till we die. You know what they found? That God supplied their needs. Every need they had, God had it supplied for them. You know what I believe, church? Every need our church has, God is going to supply. I believe every need you have in your home that God, He can supply. I believe that every, everything that you're in need of tonight, that God, He can supply. He can give those provisions. What they saw, it assault, they saw that God was going to meet their needs. God did. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were poor. Their, their garments were tattered. They were, they were, uh, 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 caused to stay out of the gate. So they, they didn't have jobs. They didn't have resources. And God, because of someone said, let's take a bold move. Let's do what no one's been, uh, ever done before. Let's step out of our comfort zone. Let's not sit here until we die. Let's go to the land of Syrians. God said, because you had great faith, I'm going to give you the provisions that you need. They walk into a tent and the dinner was already made. How many of you love coming home from work and dinner is hot on the table and it's your favorite dish? How many of you? You sleeping or does that not happen very often? (laughs) How many of you would love to go to a restaurant and you don't even have to order? You walk into a restaurant and your favorite meal is already made. Maybe that's easier. (laughs) I mean everything. The way you need it, the way you want it, the way that your, your, your heart desired it, it's there. And boy, as you're chowing down on that food and you're drinking that drink, someone looks over here and says, here, this is your, this is your size. This will fit you. And you put on that new garment and boy, it fit. The other one was so tattered, you didn't even have to take it off. You just kind of ripped it off. And then, then there was provisions for you to buy more tomorrow. It wasn't, well, if we eat it all now, there's going to be none left tomorrow. Somebody said, here's a bag of gold. Here's a bag of silver. We can eat for weeks. I believe this. We don't see those types of blessings because we're not stepping out on faith like we used to. We don't make bold moves anymore. We play it safe. I read these stories of churches that used to do bold things. They don't do them anymore. There was a man down in Cincinnati area, by uh, Dr. Rawlings. He was a man that pastored a church. He, he had buses rolling out of there, and he, he wanted to reach more people, so he started chapels all around the, the, the Cincinnati area, and, and, and people were being saved, and churches were being established, and churches were, were growing, and, and, and people were being baptized, and, and, and a great story was taking place. You know, the sad thing is that church has sold most of its property. The the satellite churches, the chapel churches that once were in existence, they're not anymore. 
That church that used to run six, 7,000 uh, people on a Sunday, they're probably running about 400 people if they're lucky on a Sunday now. There was a church in, in Tennessee, and, and some have gone to that Bible college there. It was a great Bible college. They ran over 10,000 people in their heyday. Same thing, that pastor had a vision to start chapel-type chapel, chapel type churches all over that area, and, and, and people were being saved, and the churches were growing, and, and a college was training young people and missionaries around the world, and preachers are, are, are preaching in the pulpits today because of the influence of that place, and pastor's wives and, and, and missionaries' wives are, are being trained in that place, and the college doesn't exist anymore, and neither does the church. And there were Sundays where that church had 10,000 people in their attendance. It's gone. My dad went to college in Pontiac, Michigan. Same story with a church like that, reaching people and buses were running and children were being saved and college students were being sent out. And now it's gone. Church sold its buildings. Developer came in and church doesn't even exist any longer. There's so many churches that you can look past of the last 50, 60 years that were leading this country. And church growth, leading this country in baptism, leading this country in, 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 in seeing people saved, leading this country in training the future generation of missionaries and preachers, and they're gone now. They're gone. And some that are left are just a skeleton. You say, what happens with that? Why, why, why does such a thing take place? I believe such a thing takes place because the church stopped making bold moves. People used to come together and say this, we're going to build. We're going to grow. We're going to sacrifice. People were bought in to seeing people saved. They were bought in to what was happening at the church house. They had faith that God was going to do great things. They truly believed. They truly believed that they could make an impact in their society. They truly believed. They had passion. They believed that if they gave the gospel of Jesus Christ out, that people would be saved. They truly believed it was their responsibility to reach their community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They thought outside the box. They did crazy things. They did things so that, that people could hear the gospel. And what's happened now, many of churches just kind of take it easy take it easy and we say that we believe that Jesus is coming again but we act like he's never coming we say that we believe that it's our responsibility to tell the world about Jesus Christ but we act like there is no hell I want you to see something here in verse number nine and I'm done the Bible says this in verse 9, Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. If we tarry here till the, till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Do you see what they said there? Today's a good day. And we're holding it to ourselves. 
Look around, the entire Syrian camp is empty. There's food in every tent. There's resources in every tent. And we can't, we can't even use all this. And it's just the four of us going through tent to tent and enjoying what we can find. He said, we've got to do something. This is a good day. We need to take this day. We need to take this. And we need to tell this to the king's house. We need to be sure that somebody else can benefit from this, from this, this victory. We need to tell uh, the king they're hungry. They're lost. They're hopeless. They're living in despair. We need to take this truth and let them know so they too can come and feast at these tables. Listen to me, church, today is a day of good tidings. Today is a day that Jesus has given us life, that Jesus wants us to step out by faith. He wants to supply our provisions. He wants us to do great things, to do bold things, not just for ourselves, so that all the world around can know that he wants to do the same thing for them. We have a society where people are looking for hope. We've got a world right now that looks like it's falling apart. We have young people across America looking for hope. And we have the answer. We have young moms that are trying to raise children in this community and they need hope. And we have the answers. We have good tidings. We have people that are, that are, that are addicted to drugs and, and they want to quit. They're trying to quit. We have good tidings that can give them the resources to quit. We have lives that are falling apart. We have lives that are giving over to the, 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 the flesh and, and lives that are giving in to the, the things of this world. Satan is taking ground and, 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 and false religions are growing faster than we are. And we have the truth. It's time for us to take the good tidings that Jesus has given us. He loves us. He died for us. He saved us. We ought to take that and we ought to share that. Why would we hold that to ourselves? We have to be careful because so many get so content with just what they have and their needs being met, they have no thought of helping someone else. You know, these men, they had a burden to share. They had a boldness to change. They, they, their boldness allowed them to see what God can do. Their boldness allowed them to, to, the, the nourishment from God's provisions. And their, their burden, their boldness gave them a burden to share. You know, this morning I got up and I opened my Bible and I prayed and I read through my Bible this morning and I had a wonderful, wonderful time with the Lord. This evening, I'll go home and, and I'll do the same thing. I'll get into my, the, my Bible and I'll pray and I'll thank God for what he's done today. And I'll have a sweet time with him this evening. And it'll all start over again tomorrow. I want to get up tomorrow. And I can't wait to spend time with him once again. Why would I not want that for every person? Boy, there's people out there that are so consumed. They're so upset. They don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. They don't know how they're going to eat. They're, not, they don't, not, not sure if their marriage is going to last. They're not sure if they can survive another day. They're not sure if they can, they can have the strength to resist that, that addiction one more day. They're falling apart. They need hope. Why sit we here till we die? 
Let's take boldness to go do what we've never seen done before. Let's allow God to do what only he can do. Let's enjoy the provisions that he has set for us. And let's take it and share it with every single person that we can so they too can know the God that you know. They too can have their needs met the way that God meets our needs. They too can have a relationship with the Almighty God. Why hold it in? Why sit here till we die? If you're not doing something tonight that is taking a measure of grace, uh, of faith, I believe you're not doing enough for God. If what you're doing, you can, you, can, you can say this is because of my provisions, because of what I've done, because of my resources. I believe this. You're not doing enough for God. What are you doing tonight that can only be described as faith? We ought to be so deep in it. If God ever said, I'm taking my hand off it, we drown. Our faith, we ought to be in so deep that if God ever left us, that we could not survive. I don't think there's any other way for a church to behave. I think if we're going to do things for God, that we ought to do big things for God that only God can supply. And we ought to be caught doing what only God can do. We ought to be in there so deep. We ought to be in there so thick that it is only because of God and, and, and His grace and His strength and His provisions that's allowing us to do what we can do. On paper, it doesn't make sense. Uh, on our plan, it doesn't make sense. Putting the pros and cons, it doesn't make sense. All that we can do is explain it's because of God is all that we can do. Because of God. What are you doing in your walk with God that can only be, des- be described as faith? faith.